Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of Pizza Plus Coffee Equals Code. Uh, this episode, we get to talk to some of the lovely folks at TikTok Games, both about the Switch port of Adventures of Pip and their brand new game, Bark. For people watching, can you guys uh, introduce yourselves and what you guys do at uh, TikTok? Mark. And Mark Gomez. I'm a game designer, uh, director of titles at TikTok Games. Um, I designed and directed Adventures of Pip and currently working on Bark, our next title, indie title. I'm Teresa Wallenstein. I'm a producer at TikTok Games. Um, I produce the port to Switch for Adventures of Pip, and um, I've worked a little bit of a Bark here and there. Uh, I'm Emily Tidd. I'm the uh, marketing manager. I'm here for just making sure everything gets the right dates and dots the eyes. <laughs> Make sure people don't say what they shouldn't say. Yeah, that's Yes. <laughs> well, I, I doubt they're going to say that, but it, it's, it's it's more of like, you know. Yeah. Last She's got her hand on the sensor button. Yeah. <laughs> Last turn it off, it's, it's been more like they didn't know a date and I could give the date. <laughs> Dates are hard. Uh, so if we we start off Adventures of Pip, uh, where'd this concept uh, come from of starting as a, a single pixel and then slowly developing uh, resolution as you go along? So for me, with, with the concept of Adventures of Pip, I started my game development career in GBA. And a lot of the things that I was doing was all pixel related. Um, I have an art background um, in animation. So when I went to WayForward where I started out, um, it was a lot of learning how to use the animation to make pixels and pixel art. So I did everything from backgrounds to characters to animation. And I, I really love pixels. So with that career, I, I decided do I, when I want to make a game, it'd be really cool to see an evolution of characters through the different generations of pixel. You know, everything from Atari to Super Nintendo and everything in between. And so that's where the basic idea behind Adventures of Pip came. Um, from there, it was more of trying to figure out what kind of gameplay would work best with that baseline. Um, we tried going down a Castle uh, Metroidvania-style route um, where you develop along the way, but it started to feel very generic like other Metro games, um, where it's just lock and key to access new areas. So we wanted something where you're flexible in moving between the different evolutions. And so we decided to go with a, a platformer, um, sort of like a puzzle platformer, where you utilize all the different evolutions to their advantage to get through each of the levels. Because I, I played it for a little bit and I, I thought it was going to be what you said. Uh, you know, I, I evolved into the next stage and I was like, cool. And then it was like, and now devolve back down. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was something yeah. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of that was something that we wanted to also tie into our narrative theme. So um, the idea behind the narrative is that you start off as a single pixel and you're looked down upon by this kingdom that um, everyone is judged based on their resolution. Uh, and so what you find out throughout your journey is that all of the different resolutions have their own advantages. So 
it just kind of teaches you the moral that it doesn't matter what resolution you are, you have something special about yourself. It's a, a good little life lesson as well as uh, being the game concept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, you've got it's this... good to... Here you go. Oh, yeah. It's, I was just going to say that it's, it's good to tie in some narratives to your game designs. It, it helps people to understand um, the gameplay better, um, to understand what their motivations are and stuff like that. So you got this game uh, from a while ago, 2015, and now it's, it's time for the Switch. Uh, what's that, that process there of taking what you have and then bringing it over to the Nintendo Switch? So one of the first things we did was read some of the reviews and feedback that we had gotten on the original version. Um, and that helped us inform some of the small changes that we made to the game as we were porting it to the Switch. Um, so uh, some of the, the quality of life upgrades is what we're calling them. So like the biggest version of PIP, 16-bit PIP, used to run slow. And now he runs the same speed as 8-bit eight, PIP. Um, and the gem magnet is automatically um, equipped for a pip so that the gems wish directly to his inventory and you don't have to run back to the chest or some like jump below to get where they fell or things like that. Um, and then the other big change was in the menus. We added a shortcut back to the town from anywhere on the map that you are. Before you, have to, you had to traverse the whole path back to town and now you can sort of teleport there and back again. So small things that help improve the game quality and your experience playing it. Was there, I guess, a big difference between releasing a game out onto market, hoping it does well, versus this one where, as you say, you have those suggestions, you have that feedback, and I guess you can head into it with a bit more, maybe, confidence? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that, um, and we also had a whole bunch of, like, Kickstarter backers uh, back in the day from when we first launched it, so, you know, we promoted the game to them, and they're really excited to get it on the Switch, and playing it on the handheld, it's so much fun it like takes me back to playing uh echo the dolphin on my game gear and stuff like sitting in the back seat of my car right like playing the platform on a handheld it's perfect yeah, it's, it's bigger a game gear or a switch they're probably pretty similar right <laughs> about the same weight i would say <laughs> the game gear screen size is probably smaller <laughs> but as we've learned it doesn't matter if it had less resolution <laughs> we should port to game gear next mark let's do it i think it's like a sandwich uh i cannot confirm or deny the idea that this game will be on game, on game gear. <laughs> or, or gamecube <laughs> I'm, I'm writing down play. retro ports backwards compatible <laughs> Exclusive news. Very the <laughs> uh, third evolution on the GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> you just locked down. Uh, uh, <laughs> with Adventures of Perp, uh, you've got the you got the concept, you got the gameplay down. Uh, what was, I guess, the the next step after you had that that initial planning you knew what you're doing and was it just go head first into it start coding start working on assets um so a lot of it was doing research with garth smith he was the lead programmer on the title 
uh, we we played through a lot of platformers. A lot of it is trying to get the right feel to the movement of the character. Because if you've got bad movement, then it doesn't matter whatever else you add to the game. It's just going to feel bad. Um, so we, we did a lot of references to other games, um, especially when it comes to wall jump. We were taking a look at Guacamelee. We were looking at Rayman. Looking at the latest Mario for how they do their wall jumps. Um, but yeah, just doing a lot of research to make sure that we get it to be exactly how we'd want it to. Um, but after that comes level design, um, getting the right people from the level design team who know how to build the levels in a way that supports never getting stuck in a place with the wrong evolution and not being able to advance. So we tried to be really careful to make sure that there's always a way to re-evolve or de-evolve as needed so that you don't get trapped. Yeah, I, I definitely had that where I thought I was stuck, and then I realized, no, no, there was there was an easy way. I'm just blind, and uh, I couldn't <laughs> notice it. it. happens too often in video yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, there's a lot of things that we, we laid out in, in ways that uh, you can have several options to go about it, but there there is a more ideal one. But there's definitely places where you only can be one evolution, and so we try to make sure that there's always a way to evolve at that time. Uh, and then we we put Adventures of Pip to one side, and we look at uh, the new game coming out, Bark, uh, vastly different to Adventures of Pip. Uh, <laughs> What what triggered the that decision to go completely left field? Um, so with Adventures of Pip, it to me it started out mm-hmm. with a love for pixels and wanting to build a design around that concept. Um, with Bark, we had a lot of team members who were really into shooters, and um, the opportunity to build for the Switch, um, a title that will have an exclusive launch on Switch. And so we wanted to do something that, how do you make a game that's family friendly, but also in a genre that's usually not family friendly. And so what I what I see in um, space shooters is that there's a lot of, um, I mean, it's very easy to access. You, you just need to move around, dodge bullets and shoot a gun. And it's, it's interesting that that is never made in a way that's very accessible to all audiences. And so that's something that uh, we tried to build. Um, I'm designing it with uh, Michael Herbster, uh, who is doing a lot of the game design elements of it. And he's trying to make sure that um, all different people can play through the entire game. Um, and Teresa can talk about it because she, she does a lot of our play sessions with her kids. Um, and it, it's really cool to see she and, and Kirbster uh, definitely um, tweet based on, on the different things that they, they experience through the play sessions. One thing that Mark forgot to mention is that the game is completely hand-drawn and animated, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so as far as similarities to Adventures of Pip, we, we still... Um, or me in general, I, I, I still really love animation and traditional animation. And so I, I definitely wanted to make a game where it's fully hand-drawn. And um, that's where Bart comes in. Uh, so it's less about the pixel animation and more about traditional animation. Uh, couch co-op is a bit of a an interesting genre. You know, there's been 
really good games in it and people love them and they take off and then there's been ones who have tried it and not quite uh, hit the mark but how do you balance a game for i guess any number of uh, couch co-op players potentially I, uh, for for the game right now, um, the way that we're balancing it is we, depending on the number of players that are in there, we we make it harder or easier to defeat the enemies. So it's it's a little bit like the type of system you see with Diablo, where depending on the number of players, um, the enemies become harder to defeat. It doesn't really change too much the dynamic of the level, but um, it's just a matter of um, tweaking numbers based on what we feel is is um, easy enough or hard enough depending on how many people uh and then with bark is there uh i guess a narrative there was such a strong one in adventures of pip i imagine coming over to a new game again uh narrative's got a bit of a focus on it yeah um with our demo i think uh we show a bit of the intro to the game to help you understand the situation that brought you to this title where you're four animals in space fighting a bunch of um, sea life. Um, But (laughs) the narrative behind it is that you were launched into space to try and escape this um, armada of sea life that's trying to invade the land. And in doing so, um, the rocket gets taken in by one of the giant krakens. And so they instead launch out the nose cone of the rocket, which only holds the animals. And when they're launched into space, they're the only ones who can head back to Earth to save all the humans. So that's the the basic storyline behind the whole thing. Uh, We do a lot of flashbacks along the way to show um, the backstories behind the animals and just help you understand what led them to this point in their journey. So yeah, there is definitely a strong element of story. and I'm gonna I'm gonna use the the four letter D word here and say, do you have a date for this one? We just today released that it will be it will be coming to us in late 2020, and it's a timed exclusive on Nintendo. There will but, be a uh, more specific release date closer to the end of the month, I believe. Uh, and and if, Emily says, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's definitely no one with a, a gun held to your head just off camera. <laughs> uh, That's why I'm if, not wearing a camera right now. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if people want to, uh, I guess, uh, see more about uh, either Bark or Adventures of Pip coming out on the Switch, uh, a website or social media links that they could uh, head to? Uh, we have both t- uh, Pip and... Um... Um, Adventures of Pip and Bark on our website, which is tiktokgames.com. Um, we are still updating our Bark website. Uh, we have like a more specific website coming very soon. Um, we also have a demo that you can download for PAX uh, online currently. It's at demo.barkthegame.com. And then um, if you want to follow us on our socials, we have Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, all at, is uh, the, the handle tiktokgames. So uh, all all three of those sometimes certain ones will get specialized updates that other ones won't. So if you if you follow all of those, then you should jump on all of those platforms. <laughs> That's how you do marketing, right? You make people subscribe on every channel for all the info. 
Most of the time they're all the same, but every once in a while we'll have something special for Twitter or something special for Instagram or something special for Facebook. So, yeah. Uh, and coming from a, a software development background, uh, I have one question. The The name of this, uh, this podcast is uh, coffee plus pizza equals code. Um, and so for us, what keeps us up at night, you know, when we're working really hard, trying to finish something off is that coffee and pizza. Uh, for you guys, what is, what is your fuel on those hard days uh, when you just need something done and you're working late? <laughs> I don't Definitely know coffee. <laughs> I actually don't drink coffee. I, I just, I don't even drink soda. So I just run on whatever energy I have. Um, I know the producer Abraham on Bark right now has a full tin of cookies that he's going through layer by layer. <laughs> so I think that it's less uh, energy, more stress food. <laughs> what i'm hearing is a lot of sugar just sugar yeah, <laughs> yeah just just cut out the middle man just get a tin of sugar and just start <laughs> it get a big pixie stick and down it that'd be great <laughs> my, my, mine's um coffee and uh, s'more pop tarts mm. that's, that's my two tarts. that's my two things right now yeah I think I think we might have pop tarts, but it's like the international aisle of our supermarkets. We don't have them. Like, <laughs> native. I don't think I've ever no had no native pop tarts. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's always weird the stuff that does They're and doesn't. That to... They're not that great. They're not that great. No, I'm getting mixed opinions. The only reason I eat more pop tarts is because pop tarts are made with graham cracker already. So it's like you're just making a s'more in the in the. In the, mm-hmm. in the uh, I don't normally more one what about to- <laughs> You guys have toaster strudels? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm aware of over no. here. <laughs> Unless they're hidden as well in the supermarket. <laughs> you take um, like a three-day-old pastry from a pastry shop, right? And then you freeze it for like four months. And then you thaw it out and then eat it. And that's a toaster strudel. <laughs> Sounds sounds great. <laughs> Don't come to America. <laughs> oh, we have. Our New Zealand food is wheat bix, which is like you get a bunch of grains and wheats, and then you smash them into like a biscuit. It's like this thing. And it's like, wow. you just put milk on top and then you have it for breakfast or whatever. But that's Is it all sweet? we have. No, you add sugar. Or, sorry, they'll probably <laughs> tell you not to add sugar. Uh, yeah, don't add sugar, but you just put more sugar on the top. <laughs> oh no, God. it's just like, yeah, it's like porridge, but like a biscuit. But it's wow. real weird. But it's just what everybody eats for breakfast. <laughs> Um, it's like it frosted mini wheats without the frost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're telling me I should put uh, yogurt and berry compote on the top, but I'm not that fancy. That's kind of like granola. That's uh, not too bad. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> That's all we have. We don't have your, your toaster strudel and pop tarts. We have wheat picks. <laughs> and whenever you come over to New Zealand, we always like, oh yeah, see how many you can eat dry without without uh, milk it's just what you do and it's 
it's nasty. It dries your <laughs> mouth out really bad. <laughs> um, that and uh, Marmite, which is no. Yeah. Even I don't eat Marmite oh. normally, and yeah. Mum, I've never heard of You've that. You've never heard of it? No. Mum? Mar- M- Mar- M-U-M? Marmite? Yeah, Mar- Marmite or Vegemite, oh, Marmite? if you're Australian. Okay, yeah, I got Pretend that. I know what Vegemite is. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend you're making, like, an actual tasty food, and then this is the stuff that comes off the side. <laughs> it is actually a byproduct. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, again, when you come here, everyone's just like, take a massive spoonful of Marmite and you're like, no, that's not how that's done. <laughs> Very lightly spread on a piece of toast. That's what I hear. So that's the end of the food podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Comparing and contrasting New Zealand and American cultures here. <laughs> International breakfast food. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Thanks a lot for, for talking to us. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's been great.